0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Women Offshore podcast. This is Ali Cedeno and Christine McMillan. We are both experienced seafarers. And at Women Offshore, we are making waves. The Women Offshore Foundation propels women plus into meaningful careers through access to a worldwide community and professional development resources while raising awareness amongst industry leaders and decision makers about issues affecting women on the water. This podcast is an integral part of our mission and we appreciate you listening in. New episodes of the
1: Women Offshore Podcast are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on and be in the know about the latest topics related to diversity, equity and inclusion within the maritime and offshore industries.
0: Thanks for tuning in. We have another great episode for you today.
1: Hello, this is Christine with the Women Offshore Podcast. I hope you're all doing well and staying safe wherever you are. I have a wonderful podcast episode for you today with my dear friend, advisor and mentor, Lisbeth Colorat. She is one of my favorite people to speak with, and I got a chance to sit down with her in person and get some great advice from her. She's an author, a nomad, and always inspirational. Lisbeth, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today.
2: Hello everyone, this is Lisbeth and uh, thank you for having me, Christine, it's a privilege. I am originally from Belgium and I'm just a normal person. Don't believe anything Christine. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Belgium, lived in Belgium, studied in Belgium, worked in Belgium for a while, and then decided that I wanted to travel I'm not sure where that comes from because my parents are not really travelers, but it's it's definitely a passion of mine it has been for a long time. I used to save up money to travel. I went backpacking for a few years, went back to work as a teacher, and then I had met somebody in Australia. He was American. And at some point I flew to the United States uh, to be with him and travel the continent in an RV. And that was in 2003. And I have never looked back. So actually, <laughs> I've been a nomad since 2003. On different vehicles boats campers
1: and my passion is just grown stronger it's really incredible because you've been traveling for for almost about 20 years now and i think a lot of the women in our community love to travel i mean that's what drew me to the ocean in the first place and travel actually drew you to the ocean but in a different way So can you share your story about living on a boat for a while?
2: Definitely. First, I would like to point out that there's definitely a difference between being on vacation and (laughs) traveling full time. I call it a lifestyle. So when people say, oh, you travel your whole life and you're the whole world and yeah, it's travel, but it's more like living in a different way, an alternative way. Um, My passion for the ocean, it's it's a tricky question. (laughs) I get seasick. (laughs) I, I, I do. I did. I always will. But how that came about was it's it's related to my husband, who I am with now since 2004. I met him in California. I was still traveling. uh, There's a love story in there too, but that's a little too long. But anyway, I met him in California and he was ready to go sailing and give up his American dream. And he suggested how about getting a boat and sailing to Mexico. And I did not really want to tell him that I got seasick. (laughs) <laughs> he might have discovered that after the first time he took the car into the mountains and he had to stop because I had to puke. Keep... <laughs> I'm always up for a new adventure. So that's what happened. He actually quit his normal life a little sooner than he had planned because I was there and I was not really ready to go back to the States. I wanted to keep traveling. So this time we were going to do it on the water. So that was in 2005, actually. And it's another story, but we left on a monohull and we had two dogs. The dogs didn't like it. So we sold the monohull. And then we basically traveled overland to Panama back in a a small camper. When we returned to the United States, he still had this passion about sailing and his dream that hadn't come through yet. So then we gave ourselves two months. We lived in a, in a small pickup truck with our two dogs and in a tent for two months. Oh my gosh. Got to Annapolis and found our boat. We called it Ivory and we happened to live on it for eight years. So oh my god! we left uh, from the East Coast, from the, the bay there, Chesapeake Bay. And the idea was to just go to the Bahamas and come back for hurricane season. And as it is in my life, apparently you just start something and you just never stop or that's what happens. <laughs> so we actually left Annapolis mm-hmm. in 2007. And sailed all the way to Tahiti in those eight years while we were living our life, running a business, seeing the islands. And that's where my passion of the ocean and the sea and sailing came about. But as I told people back then, and I'm still telling people now, Mark's the sailor and I'm the traveler. You know, I see sailing as a means to get to places where you can't really easily get to. So again, our sailboat and 35-foot catamaran, Fontaine-Vision-Tobago was our
1: home. You know the sailing was great when the weather was great, <laughs> but you could count those days on a on one hand. Yeah, so it's I think
2: like you know those fifteen knots from you know from from uh, the side. Yeah, uh, it's it's that's perfect circumstances, but that doesn't happen too much. But so I have to say that I have a love hate relationship with the sea. So yeah, there is a lot of the peace, the beauty of a nice day on the water, but there's also the you know the hate relationship of of you know having to feel sick a lot when, yeah. when I'm traveling.
1: Not to mention the boat projects that are just never ending. They are never ending. Yeah. They become a part of, of life. Yeah.
2: So I, it, it's interesting because when I tell people I sailed for so long, some people are like, wow, that's my dream. That's so awesome. And some people who know about boats say, wow, that must have been a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Challenging. So I'd say it's it's both, you know, it's uh, it's a great lifestyle, but... It can get too much if you do it full time and you have to work and you have dogs and you have projects and you have the weather you have to take uh, into account. I mean, it's a fun lifestyle, but it, it's, it's, not, it's not that easy.
1: It got you to places that you wouldn't have been able to see otherwise. And that was really what you were passionate about was seeing that. And then after eight years of living on a boat, what is one thing that you learned about yourself? Yeah, I find that's a really good question because
2: uh, the way I work is I'm, I'm pretty impulsive. So I just, I just do, you know, I'm I'm just following. I don't even know what I'm following, following what I want to do. I want to go and see how it goes. So when I was just doing the sailing, I never thought about lessons or what am I learning or what is, you know, you know, what, what, what is worth it. But now when I look back, I think I've learned a lot. You know, what I've learned about myself is I think those eight years, I, it was in my thirties. It's an important time in the life of a woman. Many changes, many decisions have to be made. And I think I learned, you know, I, I learned what I'm passionate about. And I feel those were the years that I matured, not that I'm that mature, but I felt like I grew up during those eight years. When you live with someone 24 7 in a small space, uh, you learn a lot about that person too. Now, you asked me what I learned about myself patience, tolerance, you know, the important parts about relationships, communication. Yeah, you know what I also learned I think on the water that time was, it's very important to have me time. Oh yeah, to stand up for yourself and your time apart, especially when you live twenty four seven in a small space. For sure, and you know those are still some of my best times as, as the things I did on my own, to be honest, and just take a breather, think put your thoughts in a row. Those are the things that you know. It doesn't sound like monumental things that I learned, but definitely learned to be myself and. Learned to deal with disappointments too, to be honest. I'm thinking back now, when I first started sailing, it was very important to me to stop in the places that I read about. And That oh, yeah. sounded exciting. So in the beginning, when that was not the case, because the weather situations, you know, the bay might be too rolly. You know, we couldn't take the dogs too short. The dogs weren't allowed in the country. And then as our trip progressed and we ran a business, internet became more and more important. So we would circle around in a bay, see if we had a cell service or Wi-Fi back in the day and that later cell. And there was no service that meant leaving the bay. No matter how beautiful the beaches looked like or how attractive the the sites were, we left. So if I have to say one thing, I think that's probably dealing with disappointment and dealing with the fact that I wasn't getting what I (laughs) want. Up to my 30s, I felt like I always got what I want. It's it's just how my life happened to be because I don't really plan a lot and I do things. But having to give up on all these beautiful places that hurt in the beginning.
1: Yeah, you had to compromise.
2: Yes, had to compromise. And then as most of you know, people say sailing gives you freedom or ultimate freedom, but there is a boss out there. It's called the weather. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. called the wind. And that's basically the sites where you go and what you do. And for me to come to terms with that, and to go a while. Yeah. I'm still struggling with not getting what I want, but as I said, <laughs> being on the water matured me so I can deal with it better now.
1: Yeah. So do you have any advice for young ladies, especially that want to travel? And what would you tell them? Go for it.
2: The thing is, I, I grew up a little bit different. I've always had different priorities. It feels like than, than normal people who value uh, their house and their comfort and their luxury and their, their stuff. Their personal belongings more than me. So it's hard for me to, to relate to that. Because I do understand that leaving something that you're familiar with and your routine is not easy to do. Leaving steady income is not easy to do. For me, I can just say whatever I want. It was all easy. But I do understand that it's not for most people. People have a family, people who are homesick. You know, it's very hard for for people like that to become a nomad and leave it all behind. So what I would recommend if you're ever thinking about long-term travel is have a backup plan, you know. Don't sell your house and everything that's in it. Maybe try to rent it for a little while. See if the lifestyle suits you. And you can always make a decision later to cut all ties or just make it work for you. You know, everybody needs a different level of comfort, luxury, you know, priorities. So it's all a very personal decision. But what I would like to share is that it's it's possible and it's possible on a budget because I'm a very uh, frugal person and I've been doing for almost 20 years not too many issues. So... Go for it and just believe in yourself because you can make it happen.
1: You know, the,
2: the decisions are yours. You can make it happen and make it work for yourself.
1: And one of the first things you told me when I met you in Mexico was people tell you often like, oh, you're so brave. And you said, I'm not brave. I'm just living my life and I'm just doing what's right for me. And I think that that's really important because a lot of times we make excuses, you know, oh, my mother would be upset by this or I can't leave my country for that long because of whatever reason you're finding a way to do it and you're making it happen. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Christine. It was nice being here. And for anybody listening, if anybody ever wants
2: to communicate, send me a message. I'm, I'm very open to that. I love talking about my lifestyle, answering questions, and inspiring people to to do what I'm doing or to do something you'd like to do. That's low, but I've
1: Yes, Lisbeth is amazing to speak to, and she gives great advice. She's even written a book called Plunge, and it talks about her journeys being on a sailboat and tells a lot about her adventures that she's had all the way from Annapolis to Tahiti and all the stops in between. So you can find that on Amazon or anywhere that you look for a book. It's called Plunge. It's a great book to get your feet wet if you are interested in the life of a nomad. And always you can reach out to Elizabeth through her social media. And I hope that you'll reach out to her if you ever have any questions. And once again, Lisbeth, thank you so much for being here with me today. Safe travels and many more adventures ahead.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. Come back next Tuesday for another new episode. If you want to propel Women Offshore forward, visit womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and we will talk to you soon.